I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repeticulture Network. Yo, yo, yo. What's happening? Me and Phil are going to talk like we just weren't talking for the last 20 minutes. Exactly. You're just now joining us as we've seen each other for the first time today. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome to the show. How's the weather? Balmy, muggy, and Mm -hmm. gross. I'm literally sweating. Wearing glasses outdoors was a poor choice. Nerd. But I have this I have this beautiful new microphone. Oh, look at that. Me too. How do we sound? Do we sound good? What's goof? Miguel said. <laughs> good. Good, good uh-huh. correction. It sounds good, man. I love these freaking mics. So we now I have one of these Behringer XM five eighty five hundreds. And then Jake has had one of these XM eighty five hundreds. And I like it so much that I wanted to replace the sure I was using before. And then you need a new mic. It's so all like this is perfect because these things are awesome for the price. They sound phenomenal. Uh you do kind of have to creep, like you have to kind of You gotta get you gotta get you on gotta, you gotta aim it correctly yeah, to you gotta, really you gotta get stay the, on right. the mic. Kinda. On the Kinda. mic. But um, this is episode one hundred and frickin' seventeen. Snakes Crazy. and Stogies, brought to you by BlackBoxCages.com. Right there, where Phil is pointing. Facebook and Instagram, check them out. If you need a cage, you need a rack. Uh, you're shopping around. Maybe you're doing some price comparison stuff. Maybe you're being the the modern internet consumer. And so you gotta you gotta look around and weigh your options. You know, lead times, not a problem here. We got some of the best lead times in the industry. Prices, they're competitive. Fair, they're good, fair, fair, and competitive. Correct. Uh, and customer service is something that is of utmost importance. So, hundred percent. Very quick to answer messages and things. Uh, and maybe as long as we're awake and conscience conscious. M- Maybe you have a task that you need accomplished and other companies have turned you away, whether it's outside their their capabilities or they can't do it in the time frame that you need it in. But Black Box provides. They provide. And if they don't know how to do it, oh, they'll figure it out. Just got to they, 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 Yeah, custom work is not something they typically do. But there's an option for everything. Uh, every day I'm, I'm checking tubs in my racks and stuff from them. And I'm just always blown away at just how awesome they are. You know, you, I've talked about how much I hate spilling water bowls with, with racks that are like stick or they're tight. Once you get them, you know, almost all the way to the, to the back there and water bowl slosh everywhere. And then the substrate gets wet and then, you know, it's just, ugh, so not a problem with the black box stuff. And let's not forget about our OG sponsors, the fine people of the Pacific Northwest, the Gendra, right, Puget Sound Pythons. 
That's right. Facebook, Instagram as well. YouTube. They just vended over the weekend. Sounds like they got some awesome stuff. They took some awesome stuff to sell. Uh, yeah, and said Black Box, they'll do crazy custom shit. They'll kill me for saying it. Yeah, they don't do custom work. <laughs> I, Henry had a very specific project that no one else could accommodate. And because he has been a customer in the past, Jen and Clint were kind enough to help him out. So, Absolutely. And just going back to the Gendra, it, it looks like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I definitely saw an Angolan python. They got an Angolan. They're in the Angolan club now. They're in the Angolan club. I am so behind in this. Like, it pains me. I know. Like, you're not around anymore, man. Oh, I know. I know. It took and you then, a week to get your present. It didn't take me a week to get my present. Not like me, a week. It took me It took me like 48, a solid 36 hours. 36 hours. And I can't, I'm not even going to tell him he's getting it. You know, he's going to open it. He's going to call me and be like, this is awesome. Well, and then I was like, Phil, did you get it? And you're like, no, not yet. Well, Next no, you, you text me and you're like, hey, man, there's a second box. Be on the lookout. And I'm like, OK, is it alive? And you're like, no, it's not alive. I'm like, all right, cool. If I don't get it promptly within 16 hours, it's not that big a deal. But Justin graced me. Am I showing it off right now? I mean, anyone yeah, who yeah, anyone who has Instagram should have already seen it. I mean, I plastered all over my. Instagram I was, page. you know, I had posted pictures of them in the group when I got them made, and I was worried you'd see one and realize I had one. And then I talked about a raffle one, and I mentioned the, I didn't mention the third one at all. So I was right, like, Phil's right. going to know that that's coming to him. I was like, he's going to figure well, it out. No, I, I I saw the picture that you posted of yours and the raffle one, but I, it didn't occur to me. And then I got this bubble mailer i'm like this is weird what the hell did he send me it was like a like a shoebox in a bubble trying mailer. to wrap it in a way that it wouldn't get damaged because the postal service doesn't care yeah it's a lawless, yeah lawless wasteland so this is it this is the snakes and stogies cigar band tumbler i'll try and show it off best i can with this poor camera but look at all those brands and bands absolutely oh, yeah some of those are ones that I smoked. Some of them are ones that I stole from the ashtrays at work when people left them. Nice. Yeah. I love it, man. Can Dude, she little... did awesome. So it's... Uh, holder. Yeah. Yeah, mine's sitting right here, actually. I don't have mine on my cup, but... Um, she, yeah, even did the bottom. Look at that Sincompromiso there in the bottom in that 20-acre farm and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. she did great. So it's uh, her name is D Morris. Um, her husband actually has been listening to the podcast and stuff lately. Uh, she posted pictures of one she did that wasn't like someone else had ordered one with all the bands and stuff. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I gotta get me and fill one of those. So I've been planning this for like two months because I saw him weeks ago and I was like, okay, I'm gonna start saving bands. And so literally for the last like month, I saved every damn band I could, and I sent them to her. And I mentioned, like, you know, I want to get three of them. I want to get one for me, one for you, and then one to raffle off because, like, that'd be an awesome raffle item. And so she was kind enough to to donate the raffle one for us. Awesome. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I sent the original set of bands, and I was like, I don't know if it's enough to even do one. And I she she messaged me and was like, uh, yeah, I can do all three with the amount of bands you sent me. And I was like, what? Like it didn't seem like that many in my head. Like, yeah. But when you send the stickers and stuff too, which is kind of the reason why I sent. So mine, 
<clears throat> don't knock over my monster. Mine has a Snakes and Stogies logo. And then Terry Burwell sent me some stickers when I got those rhinos from him. And so I put one of his on there. And that just helps take up more real estate. But sure. Yeah. I mean, it's freaking, it's freaking awesome, man. Like, oh, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. I'm so happy with it, man. Like, I was, I was literally surprised as hell. I was like, what the hell is this shoebox in a bubble mailer? And then I, I opened, I was like, no, no. And then I opened <laughs> the actual tumbler. Hey. Inside is this beautiful red bastard, the Liga Privada H99. Mm-mm-mm. A T fifty two and a number nine. It is not, but it is a Liga. Is that what you're about? To, is that what you're smoking tonight? That's what I'm smoking tonight, baby. Got to do it. So, and I'm I'm very much an aesthetics guy. So, the first thing the first thing you see is the aesthetics, is how it's mm-hmm. wrapped, how it's presented. You know, the actual you know fold of the cap, and then the band itself. And yeah, being there's something a dr- about that band, man. That just about like. That band. It, yeah, it's the same with that that passion that I like so much from La Roma de Cuba, like that mint yes. green. There's just something about there's some labels that you see. Sin Compromiso as well. You just you see it and you're like, I gotta I gotta put that in my mouth. And even though, so I love the the Liga Privada brand because, and speaking of the logo itself, I love the Liga Privada brand because it has that, you know, that pen signature Liga Privada, right? right. And it like just a, looks good, like a prototype kind of thing. And like it's unofficial, official kind of thing. Right, exactly. And I, anyone who smokes a lot of Drew Estate stuff, they'll realize that you learn it real quick because you fall in love with each brand and each style. And this one, like you said, it's not a 52. It's not a number nine. It's its own thing. But the fact that the tobacco itself has a reddish hue to it and this yes. camera is just not picking it up. But they the did a only... good job of matching sort of that, yes. that font with the color of the cigar to yes. where you just, like kind of like I guess the number nine I can't really say because that's just a dark cigar with the darker font. But yeah, like that's a this odd sort of Corojo Habano hybrid wrapper that they they made for this cigar. Um I don't know the exact signs behind it, but it's pretty interesting. Uh when I heard they were doing a Corojo in the League of stuff, I got excited because I love Corojo wrappers on cigars. Um, and that, I mean, that is a fantastic cigar. It's not, it's much more nuanced. It's much more sort of subtle than your T52s and your number nines. It's not a, it's not a hit you in the back of the throat powerhouse kind of thing. Like you get with those other two that are just bolder, richer. Yeah. Uh, this one's much more sort of delicate, intricate, however you want to say, but. Well, at first glance, you, anyone who drinks beer, like. If you're going to call the 52 like a bold lager and then you call the number nine like a rich stout, this literally screams to me Irish red. Yes. You know what I mean? It's, I the, happy, it's the happy medium between those two beers. Yep. And I'm going to light it up right now. So nice. while I do that, what are you smoking, sir? Uh, Roma Craft Crow Magnum Toro. This is, I don't know, man. I so this is kind of odd because I smoked a Aquitaine earlier, a Corona, which is the same cigar, just a different wrapper. So this is a Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro. Aquitaine is a uh, Ecuadorian Habano, and I don't know, man. Like people's, your palate does change over time. So I with Ligas initially, I was very big on the number nines, which is also a Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro, like these guys. 
But then over time, I started smoking the T52s more, and I actually preferred the T52 over the 9. And it was the same with the Aquitaine and this. Like, I, I just liked that Aquitaine more. And I still like T52s more in the League of Stuff. But when it comes to the Broadleaf, man, this is just, for whatever reason, I've been on a kick um, with Cro-Mags over Aquitaine. So Phil is struggling there. You running out of gas there, buddy? <laughs> but your palate changes. I mean, like, it also depends sort of over time. Like, you know, you instead of wanting something complex and sort of peppery, you want something that's more one-dimensional, richer, but smooth still and just silky, which is where, like, the Connecticut Broadleaf stuff, at least some of it comes in. Some of the Tabernacle stuff from Foundation, you know, they have a Connecticut Broadleaf, and to me, it's just it's much more rustic. It's a lot, much harsher kind of blend for me at least in comparison to these in the number nine so i don't know mike cup and said my palate can't change it never developed huh. uh, i am not going to the atlanta repticon this weekend so aside from my lighter literally on death's door i gotta fill it up i'm an idiot there's nothing in it it's empty <laughs> um which i'll go do in a second but I was afraid because it was so weak in terms of its flame. I didn't want to pull too hard and then have the thing scorch itself. So I got it right about there, which is good. Um, first draw was kind of anticlimactic, man, to be brutally honest. Like I said, when, you, when you're when you going into it sort of expecting it to be like that that level of power that you get from, from T-52s and number nines, it definitely ain't it. It's, the, it's sort of the the redheaded stepchild of the, of the legal world in a sense, like they're not bad cigars by any means. I think we talked about it uh, like a week or two ago when I was smoking one, like they've been hyping that cigar up for like two years now and no one got their hands on it. Now people are. And honestly sales for those, like the hype when, when no one had them, everyone wanted them. Now that shops are getting them, like they kind of just, they're sort of DOA in terms of like demand and stuff. And I think a lot of it is like people got them, tried it. They were like, this is nothing like a like a T fifty two or number nine. Like this is much more tame, and so people are kind of like, man, like it's a one and done. Like yeah, I tried it; it's all right. And, you know, I'm going back to my my nines and fifty twos. So, not a bad cigar at all, though. It's uh, it's picking up nicely. It mm -hmm. is, and uh, it's not getting too hot too quick. And I got to be honest, man. It's not a number nine like we talked about. I will probably take it at first, first third. I'll take it over fifty-two. But we shall see. Time will tell. I think it's a lot like those beers you had mentioned. Like if you're not in the mood for a stout or that right, right, that other one, like you, you got to kind of be in the right sort of mood or headspace to want that that flavor, but. I don't know. So Phil and I got one of these cups. We also have one. It's been a while since we've done a raffle in the Snakes and Stogies group on Facebook. Uh, we have one of these cups. Not the same type. It's actually one of the bigger like Yeti tumblers. Um, we have one that was made that has the Snakes and Stogies sticker on it and stuff like that with all the bands. We're going to be raffling that off. Um, we're still trying to figure out what else we're going to do, uh, who we're going to have it benefit. Um, so the, I don't know, I'm sure sometime over the week we'll, we'll have it ironed out and get it kicked off and, and make it happen. So it's going to be some good stuff. I think we're, we're kind of, that cup is, is definitely going to be one of the things we talked about. There, there's this, uh, 
bench made cigar cutter that Phil has had for a couple months now. That's been waiting to be raffled. He's got a hook that needs to be raffled. Um, I talked about getting like one of the door sweeps that I use and some of the shims. Have the, the I, 100%. Smitty the, security pack. Yes, the Smitty security pack. I love it. Um, and I'm sure, you know, whatever else we can find, you know, it'll just be, uh, it'll be good. So we've done really well with those in the past and it's nice to, to be able to benefit ASF and, and some of the other folks that we've donated to. And it's just cool to, you know, figure out some cigars or, or maybe a gift certificate to, to the shop. Uh, I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to iron out the details. It's going to happen. So if you're in the snakes and stogies group on Facebook, Keep an eye out for that because uh, it'll be it'll be good. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited because it's been a while since we did any raffle type stuff, and uh, it I like our small batch charity stuff because forgive my neighbor's dog. Um, can't hear it. It's not like your other mic, man. Oh, it's not like my, you can't hear that. It's so. I mean, I could loud. hear a little bit, but barely. oh wow, good stuff. New microphone. Thank you, buddy. So. I like it when we do our, our charity stuff because there's so many times that we as herpers and reptile keepers and just animal enthusiasts, we donate to a good cause. And most of the causes are big. They're big yeah. charities. They're big organizations. What The ones that we're focusing on are very small. And the money that we generate goes a long way. So we want to try and get cool stuff for you people. That way you guys can enjoy what's what and know that your your money is directly going to a great cause that's not just some big corporation. Well, too, the plan is, at least for me, when we do raffles, too, in the future, you know, in the near future, within the next couple months, I'm going to start putting some animals up. Like, I'm going to put some some corns, bears, whatever. Um, you know, eventually, like, I'll even put rhinos up. Like, I don't care. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's just cool to do. It's fun to do. Like, I like hooking people up with with awesome stuff that they want and like helping out good causes like asf and stuff that really do make an impact um and i know we have a lot of people in the snakes and stogies group that don't smoke cigars and so for the people that don't or don't need cutters or cases or anything like that like this is a good way for them to be able to get involved with that as well um obviously the the only issue is is i don't have anything to raffle off right now so i'm working on that um gonna have some some eggs here soon. One of the, I guess, quick update, uh, ladies on the female corn is due to drop like any day now. I don't know what she's, she's waiting on. She's been in and out of the lay box pacing, doing her thing. So she's trying, um, got some other stuff that's in shed, had some stuff that did shed, whether that was a prelay shed or not. I'm not hundred percent sure. So, uh, the other locality female she shed and I don't, she didn't look gravid. So I put the mail back in with her in case they just needed more time. Blood reds. Um, she shed as well. I don't know if it was a prelay or not. I don't think it was. So I don't know. Like we're still sort of playing it by ear. The D owns females, definitely gravid. She had a prelay shed. Probably yeah, won't she get eggs great. Yeah. I won't, won't get eggs from her for probably another, uh, two weeks or so. The bimaculata, I'm fairly certain, is gravid as well. Haven't had a prelay shed from her yet, though. Um, that ghost tessera from Chris that I'm borrowing, she's in a shed cycle, so I'm hoping that's prelay. I know the male tried because I saw some man juice on the lay box. Um, it's the signs so, we like to see, buddy. So efforts were made, yes. Uh, 
and then Baird's, I think I got some some head hypos. I think that female's got some cooking. The Loma Altas, I'm not sure yet still. I haven't seen a ton of interest from either of them or heard anything while I'm in the room, you know, any of the, the racket they make. And then the Thorn Scrubs, I separated them just to feed them. I may put them back together, but I haven't had any action from them either. So, so we'll see. You got you got but, it mapped out, man. Time will tell. But even look, JT even said he might be able to throw in an animal to raffle since it's for a good cause. There we go. There we go. And it works out because, like, when it comes to shipping and stuff like that, if the person who donates wants to pay for shipping out of their pocket, they can. But we've also typically, when we shipped out cigar stuff or whatever, like, the money for shipping was taken from all the stuff that came in. So it's like no one's having to pay for anything out of pocket. It's just it just makes it easier. Um, so we'll, you know, full disclosure. Uh, I think so far actually with the last couple of raffles we did, we, I think we raised over a grand for ASF and HCI and fantastic. Um, I've got a list of other organizations that I really would like to donate to. If anybody else can think of any that are herp related, uh, please send me a message so I can add them to the list. Cause we're always on the lookout for people that we can, we can help out and benefit. And we kind of, at one point we had talked about having sort of a rotation of, of organizations that we, we donate to every month. Cause we do a, you know, my plan was to do a raffle every month. The only reason they, that that hasn't happened is because we have the samplers and I try not to, you know, when you have like a, a $60 sample, a $60 sampler, and then a raffle in the same month, like people kind of then start to have to choose as to whether they want the sampler or they want the raffle. Honestly, I'd rather they do the raffle because that that goes, you know, that that, that the, the samplers just help you for tobacco. Like that's it's just it's a business thing. You know, it's, it has nothing to do with with charity or raising money for anybody. So, yeah, it's, if it's, we're it's gonna a give do and that, take. Beaver right. Tobacco makes extra sales and the fine people of the Stakes and Stogies group get to benefit with a, a bundle pack. Yeah. So I'd prefer we do more raffles. Uh just because, like I said, it's a really easy, simple way, non-invasive, as I like to call things like that, that don't require a lot of work, but have the most efficiency and um, result. So it's good. I think it'll, uh, if it's something that we could even do, like maybe we do uh, not necessarily monthly, but like once a quarter, do like a big one, kind of like, like Southeast Carpet Fest or Carpet Fest level, like, Anyone who wants to donate, not going and knocking down doors or anything like that, but anyone who has something they feel like donating, as long as they're legit and not going to screw somebody out of an item, um, cool. Then we'll, you know, we'll figure something out. And I'll talk to Ben because we had the uh, the Carpet Fest website that we were going to set up to do auctions and stuff on that hasn't been finished yet, but I think it's very close to being done. If we can set that up separate so we don't have to do all this on Facebook and worry oh, yeah. about getting zucked, yeah. it'll be perfect. So. Awesome. We'll see. But I think it'll be a good avenue to, to raise money for all the right people. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, I don't know if we... Let me clear my throat. Excuse me. <laughs> <clears throat> the arsonist has ugly shaped feet. <clears throat> so I don't know if we ever touched base on this either, but uh, for those of you who attended last Daytona, we had a giant Herpeticulture magazine banner, like six feet by four feet, big vinyl banner. I am going to do my best to get every person who contributed to that project to basically make a COA, a, you know, certificate of authenticity, 
and have everyone sign it, even if it's a digital signature. And we're going to submit that banner to uh, the auctions at Daytona for US Arc. So for those of you who contributed, I don't know who would want it, but all right. Well, I mean, it's somebody might like it. And, you know, we figure we're going to donate that to US Arc and hopefully it can generate a little bit more money. And, uh, and yeah, so if you're going to Daytona and you want to get that banner to hang in your snake room with some kind of COA, definitely keep an eye out. And for what it's worth, you can still buy all the issues. Like that never went away. If there's still an issue you wanted, they're still available. The website is still there with all the articles. It's just the herpeticulturenetwork.com now or herpeticulturenetwork.com. Um, yeah, so still rocking and rolling. Well, I'm going to go fill up my lighter because it is on death. struggling? Yeah. yeah, it's it's crappy. So, And hopefully that I can jumpstart the, the uh, Liga when I get back. Let me see. I'm going to see if I can pull up what we've raised for sure. Oh, let's see. Um, Mike Kosicki. Anybody got anything hatching right now? Eggs happening. Where's that? Where's everybody at with the uh, the breeding stuff for the season so far? Uh, horsey F nine G A N J. I know JT's got a lot of stuff happening. Everyone take five. Thank you, Billy. See, the problem is, is I have a ton of document. I have like a Google Drive for the magazine, then I have a Google Drive for my stuff, and I have a ton of stuff split between them that are really probably should be together, and so I have to flip back and forth between accounts. Let's see. Yeah, so, so far from one, one, two, three, four, five, six raffles. Honey Hit Cinders pipping today. Hell yeah. Uh, so far, we have raised $1,428.91. That's fantastic. That's awesome. It's way more than I actually thought we did. Yeah, so I have like Rattlesnake Conservancy, Highlands and Islands, which I love, uh, Justin Eldon and the boys, um, USR, Asclepius Snakebite Foundation, HCI, Save the Choco, King Cobra Conservancy, Golden Frog Project, Panama Amphibian Rescue and Conservation Project, Cigars for Warriors, and then ASF, obviously. Um, you know, I try to keep a list of uh, potential people we can donate to, so. And then I have a spreadsheet with everyone's address that's bought or had stuff shipped to them. I keep track of these things. Excellent. 
Good I record know, keeping. I know where to find you. I know where you know where they live. Did you get it fixed? You good to go? I did. I filled I filled it back up. We're 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 liquid. Hey, Clint said Black Boss can donate an XA Bio G to that raffle blank top with the screen side fence. That's what I have my rhinos in, and they are freaking awesome. Excellent. Vic said he had a couple locks with the Pueb with the Pueblans. Almost said Poplins. The Pueblans. Pueblans. Yeah, I don't know, man. The raffles are just fun. They're they're relatively easy to do. Well, they're much easier to do than like the auction kind of thing. You know, where people are bidding and you have to keep track of all that. But it's just good. It's a good way for people to get cool stuff and cool organizations to get the extra boost. It's what we do, man. Bringing the people together, bringing the animals together, protecting the animals, protecting the people. The Justin needs to find a coral snake foundation. Yeah, I was just looking at some 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 peeps that we know uh, have been finding some corals lately. Yeah. It looks like it's all yeah. North Florida. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm always on the hunt, always on the look. You know, now Billy the weather's. <laughs> Billy doesn't need a python. Billy's got plenty of pythons. <laughs> oh, Billy Jenkins, you saucy cat. Actually, it's funny is uh, I have uh, Hondurans from Vic and they are savages. They will literally eat anything you put in front of them and do everything in their power to run away and or bite and or poop on you. They're classic colubrids. So if you want a tip top wild specimen, definitely hit up Vic. I had some some hondos when I was but a boy and those things were like just spazzy little bastards, man. And see what's like crazy. As soon as you touched them, they were like, "Nope." I had hondos uh, when I went on my king snake kick back in the early two thousands. Like, I had I had several different tangerines, and they were all super chill, man, super chill. So who knows? Every batch is a little yeah, different. I don't know, man. That's so. Speaking of freaks, uh, the little female. Uh, Ultramel stripe that Chris sent me is a freaking nut, dude. Like, I open the tub. It's a little guy. It's a little hatchling. Like, I open the tub and move the hide or something, and it literally just springs and just goes out the out the tub and flops everywhere and then tries to, you know, get back behind the other tubs on the rack and just, it's, ugh. Yeah, I, a handful. I, I'm like, I hope, I hope that that breaks eventually, and that's not going to be a problem. I'm sure it will. <laughs> but I had the same thing happen with the baby telescopus, and I, they're not in the venomous room. They're they're in my normal baby snake rack with all the harmless stuff. And I, I did the the grab it real quick, and then I realized what I was doing. I was like, oh, I'm going to get bit. This is great. And I just kind of loosened my grip a little bit, and he chilled out and. Everything is fine, but it gives you that you got to it, it's that reminding of just because we treat it like it's not dangerous doesn't mean it can't have some clinical effects. Something good happen. Yeah, exactly. So just uh, a friendly reminder to everyone who keeps 
you know, dip sadids or rear fang or epistoglyphs or whatever you want to call them. Be, be, be cautious. Be mindful. Yes. What's anything new going on over the week on your end? Uh, not too much. I've been fattening geckos up. And, uh, dude, it's amazing how they put those waxworms, put the weight on, man. Yeah. They're just, they do. Yeah. You know, and uh, just trying to do that. And I've got girdle tails that are going to get paired probably this week. I keep saying end of the month. And, well, now it's the end of the month. So uh, they're going to get paired. I actually <laughs> I have this picture. I went to go check one of my – she's a three-year-old female that I separated and isolated just so she'd have her own exoterra. And forgive me if I've shown this. I don't think I have. But the – I'm going to actually, because this computer is so slow, I'm going to send it to myself on Facebook. So bear with me a moment. But it's that classic story of you make this incredible, incredible enclosure and you do everything in your power to make, you do everything in your power to make the habitat as hospitable and naturalistic and realistic as possible. And they find the one crack. They just don't care. In the styrofoam, in the back of the EXO. And yep. it's like, why do why do I try? Why, yeah, why do I try? It's wasted. So this is her, and uh, despite her being as fat as she is, she's definitely not gravid because she's uh, she was too young when I separated her from her brothers and sister. Um, all right, that should have sent. But are you planning to pair knobs? I am planning on pairing knobs. I, when, I basically is there a typical season for those. Uh, it would have been a month ago, oh. <laughs> two, two, <laughs> two months ago, but but I kept winter cold and I kept it longer. So okay. I will you cross think you my shifted fingers. that window a little bit. Yeah, definitely shifted that window. And I I didn't. I've been having bad luck with the females being receptive, and the males are like, "Yo, let's go! It's that time! Let's do it!" And the girls are like get the fuck away from me. I don't care how many cocktails you buy. I don't care how fast your car is. Go away. That's how that, so, that female blood red is. I think when I put that mail in there, she's, she's like, nah, man, not yep. happening. Yep. So they're definitely going to get paired probably next week. Um, let me share this share screen <laughs> window. <laughs> Justin gets to see it ahead of time. <laughs> so, Pancakes. That's a, a three-year-old girl stuck behind the uh, styrofoam backer of the Exoterra. Um, <laughs> and it's crazy because you don't realize how many belly scales they got until she's smushed and flat. Yeah, seems like a really like good opportunity to get out of <laughs> a loop and look for her pores. Oh, well, yeah, 100%. And that's, <laughs> that's her brother that's a little smaller than her, which I'm not going to pair them. I want to try and diversify the gene pool as best I can. His pores are completely different than hers. So when they're pressed up on the glass like that, it makes it super simple. Yeah. But just to give you an idea of what we're working with here, <laughs> that's it. So this beautiful live grass planted enclosure and that's where she goes. I haven't. I've never understood what the point of that cut is in the back of those styrofoams. Is it just so that they can actually go against the <clears throat> the glass? Well, no. So if you look at, Create I don't know a if vacuum. You can, no, I don't know if you could see my cursor. Can you? Can you see the cursor? Yeah. All right. So see this little light patch here. This little light patch there. 
yeah. those are the holes that you can open and close the holes for wires. Gotcha. So you can run wires and or uh, like like tubing for plumbing if you have like a waterfall or a fountain or whatever. And then the wires, if you want to put some kind of heating element on the inside or if you wanted to run run the power to that, you know, water yeah. pump or whatever, yeah. that's what this channel is for. So you can run wires. Well, she carved out the bottom of the styrofoam with her claws and then shimmied up in there because that's the top of the enclosure. And it's a two mm-hmm. foot it's or it's an 18 inch high. So crazy lizards. What yeah, I mean the the amount of species I've seen that that somehow got their their way back behind that foam is <clears throat> is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, and you know I don't stop them from doing it. I just let them do it. They still eat. They still poop. They have their designated pooping corner that they always return to. So like I don't worry too much about it. Um, and it, it's nice because at ten o'clock at night they're asleep. I can get behind the cage and take photos like that and just do kind of a half-ass wellness check if you will you know what i mean so uh kevin wants to know can you check for ovulation in knobs i don't personally know uh i will reach out some feelers to some other guys that are way better at this than i am and see um i've noticed my girls swell up with eggs and then drop fertile and infertile depending on what year it was but uh, so I, you definitely see that, but when I've paired stuff, there was there was no visual indicator that I could see. So, <clears throat> and just to show people uh, what the enclosure looks like, if it loads, that should be there now. <clears throat> Oh, it didn't send. There it I, is. I sent Podfather the link. I don't know if it was a plan for him to hop in or not, but okay. No, it was just an idea. Oh, so we'll see if he joins in. You said jump, and I said how high. I know. I love it. All right, so there's her. I feel fooled. And then this is like like that looks good, man. That's that's a little piece of Africa. Yeah, I like that. She don't care. She wants to hide behind the foam. So yep. whatever works. <clears throat> Same with the Ackies. It's like I gave you all these awesome little hiding spots and you guys just smother yourself under the little dig box that's like five pounds. Yeah, right. <laughs> so hopefully I can get the, the get them to pair up. <clears throat> I've been really focused on temperatures and humidity with them and trying to change stuff. And it was actually good that my one breeder, fem- my one proven consistent breeder female, she, her heat lamp burnt out right when I was going to start dropping temps. So I was like, this is perfect. And I just left it and I didn't buy a bulb for almost four months. So mm-hmm. I just put one in and uh, I actually, for them, <clears throat> excuse me, for them, I actually use uh Exoterra makes a heat bulb that's specifically for aquatics and it has like a film on it so that if your turtle is splashing around and water particles splash up or droplets splash up onto the bulb, it won't pop the bulb and shatter yeah. the bulb and you get glass all in the water. You know what I mean? Right. So I got those uh, 
years ago because I would I miss the crap out of them. Mm -hmm. I make the cage flood, you know, rainy season here it comes, prepare for the flood. And uh, they last forever, man. Those things are great. So if you've got a, a scenario, like whether you're doing chameleons or you're doing some kind of arboreal geckos and you're misting a lot, and you're spraying a lot and you're worried about the, the lamp getting wet. I highly recommend those Exoterra uh, aquatic heat bulbs, whatever film they put on it, man, it works like a million bucks. I never thought about that. That makes sense. Yeah, Cox said, gross now. It's going to be monitor talk. Speaking of, I fed crickets to mine today, and it was like something out of Jurassic Park, man. Like Marv <laughs> grabbed a cricket, and then Henrietta saw that Marv had a cricket, and so she wanted that cricket. And so nice. she had one end of the cricket, he had the other end of the cricket, and they were just doing tug-of-war with this poor thing, man. Oh, that sucks. It's just like the, the T-Rexes in Lost World. When they get the guy and they like split him in half. Oh yeah, trying oh, to yeah. save him from going over the cliff. <laughs> it's freaking brutal, man. It's like, and I I put like a good bit of crickets in there, and so I was like, why are you guys even fighting over the same one? It's like there's literally a bunch all around you. You know, come on. Yeah. But, well, but... I uh, I did something similar. So in anticipation for knobtail season, um. I did something that I've known about for a while and I've never actually attempted to do. Um, maybe it was naive of me. Maybe I was too paranoid and being a helicopter mom, but I gave my, all my adult female synctus live pinkies one each. And I didn't feed them that week cause I didn't know how they'd handle it. Um, a lot of the Carphodactylidae uh, family of geckos, they'll gorge themselves because they don't know when their next meal will be. And right. they'll actually throw up like a, like a cricket hairball, if you will, if they've consumed Always. too much. Yeah. Um, a gecko, a gecko pellet, if you will. Um, it actually, it looks like an owl pellet. It's super weird. Uh, mm -hmm. It's all like cricket parts and legs and crap. Um, but I was like, you know what? Let me give them each a, a day old pinky alive uh, to entice, you know, the feeding response. And see how they handle it. So I actually I videoed it, and I didn't know if that was something we could share or we want to share. Mm. I'm just mm. worried about YouTube taking it down. Yeah, yeah, I don't. They probably would. All right, so we'll we'll leave that one alone. Um, yes, my ackies are red, Cox. Are you well, if anyone, red? what's that? Cox and his typos. Are yes. you ackies reds? Yes. Are your ackies red? Um, so if anybody wants to see that feeding video, uh, DM me on Instagram. I'll send it to you. No problem. Um, obviously, I, we don't want to. We don't want YouTube to shut us down, even if it is a legitimate feeding thing and medical and whatever else. If you want to see it, let me know. I will. I'll DM on Instagram. So, but yeah, I did that, and they all they housed them. They housed them down. Wow. It was like uh, it was like it was like microscopic Gila monsters. It was adorable. So. <laughs> and uh, I'm really going to try and do the larger pairing enclosure. So basically my enclosures, my tubs are too small. And what's been presented to me from other breeders who are more successful than me is that me introducing the male to the females enclosure, because it's been so many years, they've now made that tub their home and they're defensive of it. So if I put both geckos into no man's land in like a V70 that just has like straight sand, nothing else, yeah. Yeah. we might get some action. So I'm going to, I have an entire V70 rack that's empty 
So I'm probably going to just do one pair at a time and just see how it goes. Leave them together for a couple nights, see if I can get some locks and go from there. Well, what's so that'll, the, that'll like, this what's week. the the theory behind having them in a bigger tub like that, that triggers. Uh, it's not the big, it's not the bigger tub per se as it is just a different tub. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. I just, I took it upon myself to do the bigger tub so that if the girl really wanted to get away from the boy, she could. Mm -hmm. And if they needed some time apart to, you know, relax, have a right. cigarette, go for a walk, then they could, they could do that. So that was my thought process on it. Um, and I know some of the bigger breeders for Nephris out West, like in California and stuff, they keep two or th they keep like 1.2 or 1.1 in a CB 70. And that's just what they keep them in. And then they just naturally pair up. So mm -hmm. I, I may try that, but the the problem right. is, is I kind of like the setup I have now and I don't want to change anything because I have my temps right. I got my humidity right. So we'll see what happens, man. And if they lock up great, if they Dude, don't, it would be so cool to have. Cares? Yeah. It would be so cool to have a, a big like V70 with like a trio of coleonics in it. Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. And you well, know, talking to, talking to Papa Burke about doing a, a, a bioactive, like 40 or 50 gallon with three or four Millie, just cohabbing Millie, you know, and let, let them lay in the enclosure, let them hatch in the enclosure and just start a Millie colony underwater source colony. So I think that would be super cool too. Sometimes I think that's what I'm going to end up like. That's what's going to happen with the Jansen and I and not even on purpose. Like, I'm just going to I'm going to wake up one morning. And there's going to be a baby Jansen and I in there because she laid, you know, two eggs somewhere buried in the back of the cage. Because I don't I really don't go in there much like that cage in particular. I don't like to to do a deep clean on a regular basis where I pull everything out and then nothing goes back in exactly the way it was. And like you can tell that it got kind of stirred up. And because that's a that's a species that I think needs the same like they need minimal disturbance so i'm just I'm, I'm constantly just wondering like there's gonna be a day where i'm i'm gonna find a baby in there you know just because they laid and went the distance and not that i would complain about that but yeah i mean uh, dude it just it begs the, to say since you have planted planted plants in there why not make one or two of those pots bigger and more loomy so that they could use it as a nest box if they really wanted to you know yeah and they have like a, a six quart box in there that that is just full like top to bottom a spag um and they do spend time in it because i can tell like i'll go in and periodically check that to make sure they haven't laid another clutch but um you know they have like the little tunnels that you can tell that they they were in there oh yeah so they, they spend a ton of time in it on a regular basis that much i do know uh but I do need to check the pothos that's growing in there because when I water it now, I notice there's like, like it's almost like the the dirt that was in there it kind of deteriorated away. Well, do you think it just so settled? To, it might have, but I just I was yeah. like, that's odd because like I from what I can see from the from the front, it just all I see is like roots and the pothos mm -hmm. and the pothos is growing like crazy. So that's not the issue. I'm just like, what happened to all the dirt that I had in there? Because I, I don't know, but. Yeah, and I also think that there's something that I wanted to test that I'm I'm gonna go to Home Depot in the near future because I want to get some some PVC pipe to do some you know uh, thinking outside the box projects, but I wanted to get those little you know straight fixtures 
for PVC that like it's like a joint unit that's not an elbow mm-hmm. per se. I mean, you can probably yeah. do it with an elbow too, but on some of the terrestrial geckos, some of the dare I say shovel nosing snakes, you know, uh, the the gunyasoma and uh, I mean hog nose definitely, but things that that are known to stick their face in some dirt take just the piece of pvc that's the diameter of the animal and just stick it in there and then kind of like cup out some of the dirt and give them a a venue to dig Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so and i feel like you could almost entice them and say like oh wow this this hole's this hole's perfect it's got good integrity i'm gonna dig there and just see what happens you know, just put like four or five of them in the enclosure mm-hmm. and just see if they, see if it works. So that's something I'm probably going to try maybe next week or the week after when I get my ass over to Home Depot. Yeah, I've heard of people doing something similar with like burrowing tarantulas, like obligate burrowers. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily starting it with like a PVC pipe, but like starting a little hole in one of the corners. Sure. With like sure. Hapopelma or whatever they are now, Cereopagopus, whatever. And you, um, you can say Hapopelma. I'll allow it. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll they'll go and find that and see that it's already something that's kind of started. And sometimes, not all the time, they would take that and sort of run with it and make their own burrow from that. But yeah, I know it is kind of a crapshoot because if they decide that's not the right corner, the top left corner is the one they need, not the top right, you know, then yeah, I don't know. But that's that's something I'd heard people doing a lot of, and I know with other stuff that likes to dig, you know, people take some of that black like irrigation piping and, and semi bury that some so that there's something for them to dig in. And uh, which is something I want to do with the Yakis, you know, when I get them into a bigger cage is, is have a, a pipe that goes down, but then have it connected, like maybe a big enough piece to where I can bury it and then sort of have it go like along one of the walls, like side walls or something so that they can go down and in it. And I don't have to worry about all the dirt and stuff collapsing on them and them getting, you know, buried, uh, which well, I'm sure they would just I mean, dig themselves out. I don't think it's that you serious. Can, you could do what I did with the Gila monsters and do the balloon trick. So you take a balloon and, well, the easiest way to do it is you get some... Uh, uh, excavator? You, I, see, I don't like doing excavator because when it gets hydrated, it turns back into goo. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you take like a paper plate and you fill it uh, a balloon, you know, about the size of a cantaloupe and you put some grout on mm-hmm. the paper plate and stick the balloon to it and then you paint around the outside of the balloon right yep. and you only do about you know a quarter of an inch thickness around it and then you pop the balloon yeah and now you have this bulb of grout and then you could stick your black uh, tubing in there and basically make an underground burrow and that way when the time comes and you need to scrape the the poop and whatever else is down in that cave, you can just take the whole thing out, rinse it out under the sink. It's grout. It's water resistant and go from there. So I'm talking about like buried though, like down. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Buried on a tunnel. Like I would worry about structural integrity because if we're talking about a bigger cage, that's a lot of like a lot of topsoil, a lot of sand. It's a lot of weight. And so that's why my thinking with the plastic tunnel is like, I don't have to worry about that getting crushed under the weight of the, the sand and stuff as much. Yeah. No, but, but that's what I was saying is you put your plastic tunnel into that and dude, I don't know if it's grout, man, that stuff's really hard. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't say, I mean, it'd be even cooler to go as far as to like, 
sort of like how they do like artificial reefs and stuff, like find a way to mold something with quick creep. Yeah. Or something like that and, and bury it and yeah, uh, as long as, as that long may as it's not, not even be something heavy. difficult to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah, as long as it's not too heavy. So yeah, Miguel just said he usually starts a burrow for his fossorial species. He just picked up a Kylobrachis fimbriatus at the show over the weekend, which is cool. Very I cool. had one one Kylobrachis at one point. I don't even know what species it was, and that thing was a freaking handful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not for me. One too many uh, uh, bathroom scenarios if you catch my drift. <laughs> you know? On uh unapproved strolls. Is that what Al oh, yeah. always called it? Unapproved uh, field trips. Oh yeah. Oh, unapproved field trips. That that literally that's you know that it's not for you when you carry the can of raid when you're cleaning enclosures. <laughs> I never went that far. I just had a really big catch bin or something to well, because that's the thing, dude. If it if it got up on the ceiling, like I'm screwed. So like if 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 it exits the bathroom, oh, it's getting raided. That's it, bro. It's done. Burn the house. <laughs> So I had I mean, a, I'm exaggerating everyone. I'm exaggerating. I had a, a decent sized regalis go literally from out of the container across the floor up the I didn't have like doors on my closets at the time. I had just like some curtain kind of deals right up into the folds of those curtains. And I was like, it, the the amount of time that it it took to get from A to B was just unbelievable because it was like lightning. It's teleportation. Yeah. And then having to cup it, and it's like, I like I love Pacillotheria ornamental oh, yeah. tarantulas. I mean, I have a freaking tattoo of it on my arm. Like I freaking love ornamentals. Honestly, in comparison to like Haplopelma and some of the other stuff I had, like uh, Salmopius, some of, like the sun tigers and stuff, I was like, these are actually fairly tame in comparison in terms of like just the attitude. Like I found Pacillotheria, and I kept a majority of the species, minus you know a few, but like Rufalata, I never had, but. I loved Ornata. That was one of my favorites, if not my favorite. It's a classic, man. Anybody who's a a spider guy or gal needs to at least have one once. Just try it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't. I just that that genus I found to be pretty pretty easy to work with and move around. And it was like the South American stuff seems so much more an African stuff too. You know, the arboreal African stuff, your H Max and whatnot. It was like those things, like having to upgrade the H max when I had those was like, Oh my God, here we go. Same with like the OBTs <laughs> and stuff. Oh yeah. It was like, this is going to suck. Like when I moved Pacillotheria, like it was like, they kind of just bolt and then they find the bottom of that new container and they just stop and they kind of just curl up and, and sit there, you know, with like the, the freaking uh, Pateranotulus and, and other stuff like that. It's like, this is going to be, yeah, dude, this is going to be a thing. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be an event. Like it's going to be, you know and, chase and them around and we make all these concessions as like not concessions that's the wrong word we have our personal protocol to aid in our husbandry tactics of said bug but it's only a matter of time before it gets away from you you know so yeah. you have to yeah. have contingency plans you know and that is solely why i stick to gramistola <laughs> No, I had so. a bunch of stuff, man. You know what? One species that I really loved, and this can be a spiders and stogies episode for all I care. Nice. Um, what was it? Heterothele villicella. What is that? They're little, I think it's Trinidad dwarfs, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I know what that is. But they're small. Like, they're a dwarf tarantula, but they're also communal. Oh, yeah. And they were 
I mean, they almost look kind of like a wolf spider. Like they're they're kind of interesting. Yeah, it, but isn't that they, what Trace Harden has? I don't know. Trace Harden has a massive communal colony of where he lets the moms just incubate it, the sacks themselves it might in be the enclosure. The monocentropus. Okay. The Balfari. I think it is Balfari. Yeah, yeah. That Those are really common. Way, that's a, they yeah. have like they're tan with like blue legs. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Balfari. Yeah. Okay. And those. That's one of the species of tarantula. Like one of the few species of tarantulas that seem to do really well in communal setups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I didn't have the the villicella long enough to really experiment with it. Um, because that was at the time where I think I I moved out and broke up with somebody and thinned out the collection and those were one of the things to go, but. I do miss spiders and scorpions sometimes. I miss arachnids. You know, they're just yeah, man. There's just so much cool stuff. You know, we've talked about scorpions plenty and yeah, all the awesome stuff that there and having to choose. You know, would I rather have scorpions or spiders? It's like that's that's a hard choice for me. I don't know about you, but it, it's it's nowhere near as hard for me. I'm scorpions. I'm team scorpion 110. percent But I've always been scorpion heavy. You know, if it's in the booth that I yeah, it's I've had it. You know what I mean? Or I've wanted it, I should say. I mean, I've probably had at least 40 or 50 different species of scorpion, mm-hmm. at least, you know? And I've bred, uh, I think, like four or five intentionally. So, and I think that is something that's really cool that I like about you and I specifically is that we have our diverse collections, but we Monitors both. and Maduros. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, we have our diverse collections now, but we also used to do bugs. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I know that arachnids are not bugs. It's slang. But anyway, I, I think that the fact that we went through that phase almost makes us better keepers because of the concepts of husbandry that are deployed on those arachnids that you could translate to reptiles and amphibians just mm-hmm. on a bigger or, or slightly different scale. So I, I, I like that. Well, we yeah. I mean, you just have like the different, you know, I'm not going to keep Pacillotheria the same way I'd keep Brachypelma. Right. You know, like that's, that's sort of apples to oranges. Um, <laughs> I just like, for me with scorpions, I really enjoyed central roides a lot. I had a lot of Arizona barks. I had a lot of Florida barks. Um, I was really big into Babicurus too. Of course, you know Jackson and I were like one of the coolest species. Jackson. Yeah, right there. It's faded, but it, it, that was the first. That was the first scorpion species I bred on purpose. I never. I didn't get to the point of breeding with mine. At least not that I can remember. But it yeah. is. You know, Miguel said it's a slippery slope, and it really is. Like you can keep the the problem is you can keep a ton of inverts in oh, yeah. very very little space and quickly too. Like yes. that shit adds up, and then you're like, oh my god, I have a hundred deli cups. What the hell am I doing? Yeah, like there was a point where I had more inverts than I did reptiles by a very large oh, margin. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and but, then I was OCD because all the Boothidae stuff. I kept it in locked in, in locked visionariums. I had a mm-hmm. stack of visionariums and I could fit three, six, nine. I could fit nine medium deli cups in one visionarium. So I, I was paranoid. I didn't want lethal bugs crawling around my bedroom when I was a kid. So there you go. Yeah. The um, I kept a, a handful of Androconis and I had some um, 
so it's a subspecies of the Quinquestriatus, the Death Stalkers. Mm-hmm. It's the I think the Habrius, maybe. Sure. I don't know how legit that sp- subspecies was because to me they just seem like Death Stalkers, but. Yeah, well, you know. uh, it's also too is that it in the past, in the past decade, there has been so much taxonomic revision on anything that's in that Boothidae family mm-hmm. that there went from being three, you know, Lieras to like twelve. Yeah, or, I or believe 10. it. Um, and it all, it's also very country specific too. Like, for example, Libya has two different species of Liaris, but they are so identical to the mm-hmm. common eye. Like, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. You know, they look exactly the same. So, yeah, it was either like Habrius or like for Judaicus for some reason sticks out. No, in my mind, you're, but I don't Judaicus, you're thinking of Rafalaris, the Cubans. Maybe. Oh, no, that's Junkius. Probably. That's Junkius. Excuse me. That's Junkius. And then they changed Valorous. It's not even now it's its own thing. So I will say like that is the sort of the benefit I think of inverts is like you get like using nomenclature becomes the standard because common names and inverts, at least on like the serious level, like doesn't exist. Yeah. There's not people calling Metallica's goody, goody, you know, sapphires or whatever. It's like they're Metallica's. Um, And so that was something that I that I picked up and that really stuck with me, too uh after all that time of doing that because like i said people just don't use scientific names and it's sort of like what we've talked about with snakes you know you have snakes that can have 20 common names but their scientific names the same and so that keeps everybody on the same page uh because people can get in you know there's a lot of species for sale that you see in in tarantulas in particular especially asian stuff where they don't they have a genus they don't have a species name it's like a genus species and then like maybe the area it came from or right it's like scolopendra Scolopendra yeah. SSP. <laughs> yep. And Cox actually asked about centipedes, and I had one once. And honestly, that is one of the few things in this world that really give me the willies. Like, they're cool. I really like the blue and the red ones and stuff are really neat. We hit when I lived in Hawaii, they were kind of a problem. Like, you couldn't walk around barefoot sometimes. Like, one of the neighborhood kids got bit on the foot or something. Like, when I see people handling those things, it just no thank you and it's not even necessarily like the bite or anything it's just the fact that it's like it's a centipede man they're like kind of cracked out just sort of fast and like i I, I don't know i don't know they just don't i'm not into it yeah i uh i had my centipede times and i had some really really unique stuff because i was lucky you know working for the wholesalers some crazy stuff would come in that wasn't supposed to be there and nothing like illegal or anything just you know you'd order 500 centipedes and two would be unique you know we're not the right species mm-hmm. and uh, i mean i've had uh african blues i've had indonesian blues all you know scolopendra subspecies uh chinese tiger legs chinese blacks uh just crazy stuff man Cra- crazy stuff that gives you the heebie-jeebies and yeah man that's a tub inside a tub inside a tub inside your bathtub <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, Mike said I have a bacillus area regalis because of Justin. I forgot you got that. Nice, nice. Yeah, dude, the ornamentals is just such a cool group. Like that's one of the things where I was like, I want a tattoo and I want a bacillotheria, but if I'm gonna do a bacillotheria tattoo, it has to be folded. Like it has to be doing the fold, you know. Yeah. I just oh, they're so cool. Did you ever dabble with a vicular? 
Uh, a little bit. Nothing Nothing crazy, just like avicular, avicularia, you know. Yeah. There's nothing. There were some that I really wanted to get into and just never did. Sure. But uh, I don't know. Like, I had some slings, and they just – slings and avicularia are just tough. Like, it they got to have the right level of humidity, or they just – they do horribly. You know, they crash yeah. bad, but – Ventilation, um, too. Uh, Salmopius, I, I enjoyed those. I had some sun tigers. You know, those things were – they have no fear. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. What else did I have? See, my thing with the avicularia was uh, I had Metallicus and I had um, Versicolor. And, mm-hmm. dude, there's – Versicolor is one of the most gorgeous animals on the planet. Like, just crazy, crazy colors. Uh, the blues and the purples and all that. Mm-hmm. But – I got them specifically because of their aesthetics and the fact that you could hold them. You know, right. it wasn't, it wasn't, that anything. was the only tarantula I, I held like yeah. on purpose. A Vic a Vic. Yep. Yeah. But here's my thing like the Versicolor, absolutely gorgeous. But if you breathed on them wrong, they were on the other side of the room and you have to walk over yep. there and scoop them up again. And they're jumpers so, too. And they're jumpers. And you gotta, I mean, this is gonna sound cockamamie, but you gotta, play with them over a table play with them over your bed so god forbid they go for a flying leap they don't smack the ground and die you know Mm -hmm. so i went up getting rid of them and going more towards grandma stuff just because i wanted to handle them and not worry about having a serious reaction and you know not worry about them you know skydiving to their death (laughs) so i'm trying to think of the other species i had that started with a p it's new world it's on the tip of my tongue. That drives me crazy. Well, thank God for Google. And uh, I actually, uh, anybody who's familiar with the the larger species of Scolopendra, um, there was an individual who lived around here. Um, <clears throat> his name was Satellite Rob. And Satellite Rob was a kooky old guy, very eccentric, and he loved bugs. And Satellite Rob, uh, I don't know how he got them. And everyone thought they were smuggled, but I think he just had someone in Europe just mail it to him and like no one knew. Uh, he got uh, Scolopendra Hardwickai, which come out of India, and they are literally Halloween. They're one of the largest centipedes available anywhere, and they're black, orange, black, orange, black, orange, and they get huge. They get a solid 10 inches, and he had them, and unfortunately, he passed away from unforeseen circumstances, and no one ever found out how he passed away, but the rumor was that he got bit by one of those hardwood guy. Um, they wound up getting taken by his friend who was also a bug guy. And I don't even know what happened to him, but I remember back then they were like a $200 centipede and it was like, Oh man, that's a lot of money. I, I can't afford a $200 centipede. And now I'm pretty sure they're like two grand. So it's just crazy how times change, you know? Are there species of centipede that can kill you? Are there lethal lethal centipedes? I don't know. I think it's more of uh, allergens, anaphylaxis, an- anaphylaxis, excuse me. Um, and I think it also has to do with your body in general. You know, if you have a kidney issue, if you have an immune system issue, no. you know, something to that extent. You okay? What's you said? Oh. You there? Am I frozen? Are you frozen? I'm here. Are you there? 
You you lagged was, out for a second frozen. there. Oh, I was frozen. Yeah. What was the last thing you heard me say? Because I heard you go, uh-oh, and then you froze. Anaphylaxis. Oh. <clears throat> no, I was just saying that it could be anaphylaxis. It could be, you know, if you had a kidney issue or you had an immune system issue, something to that extent. So. This is driving me crazy, man. No, you'll remember at 2 in the morning and text me. Um, I'm going to look on Kelly Swift's site right now because I'm fairly certain he had him for sale at one point. That is a name I have not heard in a very long time. Dude, I spent a lot of a, a, a good bit of money with Mr. Swift. And Henry says that subspinensis can be lethal. And, and I, I can I would concur with that. Um, I actually had for the longest time. Uh, so. Arthropoda. Oh, he's, he's got those Tanzanian chestnuts, those heterothelia villicellas that I was talking about. Damn. Oh, nice. So Florida is very unique uh, in terms of its bug laws. So in Florida, the you know arthropods are not governed by fish and wildlife. They're governed by the Department of Agriculture. So a lot of the bugs that are in the pet trade are not they're not governed. I mean, agriculture kind of doesn't give a crap. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not like, you know, we're importing death stalkers by the thousands and letting them go in Fort Lauderdale or anything. I mean, that was a joke. That's not true. Um, but Department of Agriculture used to have a license for possession, transportation, and dealing of restricted arthropods and pathogens. And I actually had that license. And uh, you were allowed five species that had to be deemed appropriate by the commissioner of agriculture. And obviously it was one of their underlings who wrote oh. it all out. And it was a super cool license because you would list these species. So it was, it was five species. And if you paid for five species, everything after that was free. So naturally I paid for the five species and I had like four or five pages of addendums, just like every species I could think of scorpions, centipedes, uh, uh, giant Hercules beetles. If it was a bug and I wanted it, I put it on that list. And when you get a license back from the state, whether it be the state that you live in or Florida or whatever, it's very informal. It's typed out, you know, no, this one from department of agriculture was all handwritten. And there would be a notation next to each species. It would say, uh, this species, you were denied this species due to the potential hazard to native plant life. And that was like, you know, Hercules beetle, because they didn't want Hercules beetles getting loose in Florida and eating, you know, native crops. But if it was, if it was a predatory arthropod, they pretty much signed off on it. So I had a license to have damn near every bug that was cool. Um, and I think that in itself gave me a big head and I went bug crazy. You know, I had like, you know, at least, at least a hundred scorpions at least. And I, that may not sound like much to a bug guy or girl, excuse me, person, but <laughs> there's a lot of deli cups, man. It's a hundred friggin' deli cups. So obviously I don't have that now and I don't have the license. I let it lapse. It was, uh, to pin a Kenius. Tapinakenius is, is the species I was I was keeping and enjoyed. Nice, enjoyed it so much I couldn't even remember what it was. And what is it? Where's that from? Era uh, like in the Caribbean. They're, oh, okay. Yeah. Purple cool. tree spiders. 
I don't even know if it was that species or if it was one of the other ones, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just I hadn't I enjoyed my time with uh with tarantulas. Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a good time. It's a good and time. Scorpions. And and you don't have to you don't have to have a lot of them, you know, to appreciate them. Um I'm I'm a big fan of Gramostola, man. Like People make fun of it like, oh, you're a rookie. You got Grandma Stola. But, you know, Polkra, dude. Polkra is the only one that does anything for me. I'm not going to lie. No, Polkra's awesome. Big, giant, jet black, friendly tarantula. Hands down, super cool. But I also love my Chacos. So like brown Chaco, golden Chaco. I can't remember the species name. But, dude, I had a female golden Chaco. Polkra peas? It might be. I had a female golden Chaco that was literally like, like it, it was bigger than a tea saucer. It was huge. Do you it, ever it gave... keep Lassiodora? Which one's Lassiodora? The salmon pink bird eaters, Parahabana. Oh, no, no, no. I, I never some it, of those. That it, was a fast growing spider, man. Yeah, but the problem is it's still a bird eater. You're still going to have the defensiveness of it. Those and... actually weren't that bad. Like, and I've I've seen them chew through deli cups, man. So, not for me. Yeah, I don't know. I had some. They were cool. They grow stupid fast. It's like the third biggest species in the world, I think. And they're yeah. they're really cheap. They're really common. And I mean, they were just they were cool. I got haired by that one a lot. Yeah, that, and that was like one of the worst experiences because I didn't even know I had been haired, and so I like initially, and so then I went and like rubbed my nose or something because my nose itched. Mm-hmm. And I got those hairs like all in the like the lining of the outside of my nostrils and stuff, and it was it sucked. Yeah. Like getting haired by the New World stuff is horrible. It's like if you'd coated your hand in like fiberglass and then like rubbed your face. Oh yeah, you just get some duct tape and go to work. <clears throat> now I will say this: I have tried to keep Smithy over and over again. I got small males. I got big females. I got their hammer eye now, actually. Oh, their hammer hammer eye, hammer eye, hammer eye, hammery, hammery. So I tried, and I failed, man. They they didn't do well for me. And like, dude, all my stuff's arid. All my stuff's desert. They just didn't do it, and they always kicked. They hmm. always had a bald abdomen. They always kicked, and like, I think it's just my luck, man. But I had vegans for cool. a while, and vegans were they're all right they didn't they were, they were it's a spider you know yeah they're supposed to be I, vegans by me i really wanted a ratum and never got my hands on any of them that's a awesome. ratum is like one of the more expensive yeah. brachypelma right up there with the hammer eye or smithy whatever you want to call them and yeah uh one of the coolest species i did keep though and i it never got they're very slow growing but it was just really interesting because they did like the stridulations and stuff and that was the uh king baboons Oh yeah, I had one of those, and that was it. Was a small guy. It wasn't anything. It was it was a juvenile, but that thing too. Like no fear, man. Just you bump the cup, and legs are up, and it's like hissing because it rubs the back legs against the abdomen, and it causes this like hissing sound almost. Yeah, and you could barely hear it when it was that small, but you were like, "What is that?" It was, but that was now, just a are, cool. cool are they the ones that have the particular neurotoxin that affects uh, brain synapses? I have no idea. There's one of them that is 
nowhere near as painful as the rest of them, but it has a unique neurotoxin that does something to brain synapses. Hmm. I'm going to have to Google that later. So, <clears throat> but yeah, man, bugs are, bugs are awesome. It's a cool change of pace, you know? I, uh, unfortunately, I, I think those days are behind me for now. Maybe I'll revisit them in the future. Um, but there's a lot of captive bred stuff, man. Now a lot of captive bred stuff. And, uh, you know, Matt and Jamie wound up getting, uh, Lieris, uh, Jordanensis, mm -hmm. which was a dream bug for, of mine for decades. And they got them. I mean, they paid 200 bucks for a sling, but dude, that was the coolest thing ever. It's a black death stalker. Yeah, Super yeah. cool. You know? So, yeah. There was a lot of the the centuroides I never got my hands on that I really wanted. Um, a lot of the Titus. I only kept, I think, Stigmurus. Yeah, but dude, everyone the, had Stigmurus at one point. The, well, <laughs> the, the communal species were the ones that I, I really enjoyed the most. Like, that's why I like bark scorpions so much and, and like Arizona barks and Florida barks because you keep a communal group of them and they did great. And it was so cool to, to see you know, the, the breeding process and like, you know, the dance and then, Oh yeah. You see the females look like they're about to freaking pop. And then you wake up and you see a bunch of little tiny babies all over her back. And like, I got like a, one of those trays that people use to like organize their beads and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was raising up little gracilis. Oh, that's like awesome. One to each of those. And like, it was, they're just, it's, it's cool, man. And yeah, super cool. like the, the communal species in particular were really neat. And I had some, uh, was it Hated Jenny's, the Troglodytes? Oh yeah, those were some of the first scorpions I had. Those were those were cool. Um, that was another one that I would actually take out and like could handle with with really no risk or or anything like that. Sure. And they were just. I remember I tried to pair those up at one point, and the male like he put the uh, the spermatophore down, but he never got the female over to it. But you know, it was just interesting. That yeah, man. Scorpions are cool, dude. Like that's what I'm saying is like if someone made me have to choose, it's like you love them both so much. It's like I, I, I yeah, I don't know what I could, what I could do. But oh yeah, dude, I remember when I first when I I I, I got paranoid because I I did the Bickers Jacksoni or Jacksoni first, and I watched them dance. I watched him plant. And then I had to leave for something. I think my girlfriend, when I were going out, it was like 10 o'clock at night. We were going out mm -hmm. to the club or something. And when I came back, they were separated. And I was like, all right, the job's done. And then I went to check on the gigas. And dude, the gigas were like, they had like this post-coital like cuddle session. It was crazy, man. And they would literally like spoon each other. It was super interesting. Um, and mm. I, I went up getting some pictures of it. It's probably on my old phone, but uh, here I actually have an old album on Facebook uh, that I'm going to share with some <laughs> bugs from back in the day. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what it was about Jacksoni that I was just so obsessed with in my my formative years, but that was like that that was a species that it was like okay, I have to have it. And I remember reading people were like, yeah, they're hot. Yeah, they're not like super hot. Yeah, or, you know, it's like definitely don't get stung by like medically significant. Sure. And I, I don't even know how I managed to, to get my hands on some. And that's well, the other thing is like having inverse ship through the postal service is just odd too. you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
Well, I think too is there was a lot of that that East African stuff that came in, man. And like I remember you had mentioned heterogeneous, and I had gotten troglodytes, and then mm-hmm. I had also got posiodens. And dude, I couldn't get the troglodytes to breed at all. And th- for those of you who are unfamiliar, the heterogeneous group of scorpions are very, very weird looking. They're they're flat rock scorpions. Yeah, they they're like the pancake tortoise of the the scorpion ex- world. Exactly, they're the pancake tortoise of scorpions. They have these big, gigantic claws and this super flat body, but uh, to they're sexually dimorphic. The males have this yes. gargantuanly like long a, tail. A tail that's like the same length as the body. If not longer, I'm if sure. If not more, yeah. Yeah, and the females have like just a stout little normal tail. Um, but I, I couldn't get the troglodytes to go, but I did get the posiodens. And I remember I, I had my first litter and I was raising them up and somebody told me, they're like, oh, Strictly got in like 10,000 posiodens. And I was like, okay, no one's going to buy these. So I just gave them away to friends, you know, because who wanted, who's going to pay money for a captive bred bug back then? Right, no one cared, right. you know? But here, so here's some. Uh, well, they also have like bugs. a ridiculously long gestation period, too, don't they? Like small broods and really yeah. long gestation times. Like, I yeah. think that's a big part of why people didn't bother is because it was like the juice just wasn't worth the squeeze. Sure, sure. And it, yeah, sounds I I like, got... it sounds like the females were actually kind of. For, if I'm recalling right, like the female females eating the babies was was for whatever reason oh, yeah. more of a problem with those than it uh, was other species, which is just yeah, because yeah, that such a I gentle only species. got yeah exactly the, the most gentle species. If you got stung by a uh, heterogeneous, you were doing something wrong. Um, I think the most I had from that genus in a litter was like ten or twelve. Yeah, yeah, it's minimal in comparison, like yeah. centroroides and stuff. I think yeah. even ten or twelve sounds big. Well, and what I was going to say is that of the 10 or 12, within the first 24 hours, you were down to eight or seven because <laughs> because mom was going to eat. And like, it makes sense, man. Like you take the weakest baby and mom eats it because mom had depleted all those nutrients from yep. just popping yep. them out. So, so here is a Usambara. And that's a giant moth that I saw on the side of a building. I have no idea why I took that photo. It's kind of cool. <laughs> um. There's a polkra. Yep. Good looking polkra. Chubby bunny. Sarah Smeringerus, which I uh, thought was dude, super I cool. actually, dude, those were fun as hell. Super fun, man. Those were some super that fun. I put some of that excavator clay in, and they just went to town. Went to town. Dude. And it was, dude, they were like, they're, they're a U.S. species, and they're, they're just really spazzy, but watching them dig because you'd see them like just little things of dirt would just be coming out of this hole and it's it's that damn scorpion burrowing and stuff and like those things were just they're like on speed constantly like they're just it was such a fun little species i had i think one or two of them and it was they were cool as hell dude yeah man yeah so there's some hot and toda oh yeah i never got into those either yeah i always wanted to this one actually came in on a shipment of Androcnus bicolor, and I was going through, you know, hundreds of bicolors, and they Stinging all land lobster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, dude, I saw this one. I was like, man, this the tail is totally wrong, and those mm-hmm. those those pincers are totally wrong with the the red hue on the tip of the pincers. So I was like, this has got to be. And I went up looking, and sure as hell, it was Judaicus. Um, yeah, see, it's just, it's odd, because, like, Androncanus are, like, 
the Dwayne Johnson of the Scorpion world. Yes. And then for some reason, like Hot and Tata are like the the Danny DeVito but beefed <laughs> up. Like they're yeah. they're squatter and they're rounder and they're more rotund, but then you see like the tanks that are Andronic. More is. rotund. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I just I, Yeah. So this is my first ever Diplocentris. So dude. I, th- by the way, these photos are dated 2009. I don't think they're 2009. I think they're older than that. I think 2009 is when I put them on Facebook. Aren't um, those the ones we saw in Texas? Those are the ones think? we saw. Yeah, oh. no, those are the ones we saw in Texas. One of the ones we saw in Texas. So this is the Big Ben scorpion from the the Big Ben National Park in, in Texas. And dude, this is like, I know I said it when we were on our trip. It was so special to me to see them in the wild because this is one of the first scorpions I ever had mm-hmm. and you're raising it up from a scorpling or whatever you want to call it. And in star, whatever you want to call it. And you'd seen them in the wild, like mm-hmm. super cool, man. Super cool. So there's the junkies. So this scorpion is actually one of the first, uh, f- two, four, six, there's one of the first six in the country ever. So my friend Tom and I were really big into unique stuff. And he had messaged a guy in Sweden who had smuggled them out of Cuba. He went on vacation with his family. That's the Cuban barks? That's the Cuban bark, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're not called Rafalaris anymore. They're, mm-hmm. They have a different genus name. Um, but he smuggled them out in his luggage from they're Cuba. They're not centroides. They're not centroides. Okay. Um, and they have, they have another unique name. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. They're like monotypic. Um, yeah, exactly. And then he wound up breeding one of the pairs that he smuggled, and then he only had six babies, and he sold them to a guy in New York. He imported them in, in, into New York, and then me and my buddy Tom, we each bought a pair from the guy in New York. Um, and they made it to, like, eighth in star and died. So, sad panda. They were cool, man. Super rare. There's your troglodytes. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about with the flat rock scorpions. Yeah, they're just odd. They're like something out of Minecraft. <laughs> that's a great way to put it, man. Totally something out of Minecraft. So Hemiscolopendra. So this is your Chilean blue. Um, rumor has it there's a patch of these in Miami, but I don't believe it because we have a native blue centipede that is in Southern Florida. So I think people just confuse them. Um, this one was imported. So there's your Malayan black tip with eggs. I so, have always found that interesting, like the whole process of them with like egg laying and curling around them and stuff. That I did find that that like that is cool about. Oh yeah, centipedes, I will say that. So I don't know what happened to this clutch, but she she nurtured those eggs for about a week. And then she ate about half of them and then discarded the ball. Nice. So I don't know if they were infertile or what, but uh, I kind of, one might say I got lucky. One might say I did not get lucky. So, um, and there's the gigas. And that's one of my all time yeah. favorite photos. Cause the, just the contrast. Cool, man. Oh yeah, dude. That's one of my all time favorite scorpions. And this is one of those parents I was saying had like a post coital cuddle sesh. Mm-hmm. And uh, this baby eluded me. So I, once the babies have their first molt, I pull them all. Or in the, in the, at the time, I had pulled them all. 
And I guess this baby was buried in there somewhere and I didn't know it. And I came in one day to just check, to just check delis and they were just sitting like that. And I was like, man, like what other, like we, we, we vilify these animals as being these nasty, dangerous, evil creatures. But this is literally mom taking yeah. care of her baby. Yeah. Like, like that's special, man. It's so, it's so funny to see like the mothership, like they're all on her back. Yeah. Some of them will somehow end up off of her and then they just find her and climb right back on. And it's just, it's just wild. And yeah, man. They're just, they're such cool animals. And yeah. If I ever get the opportunity to get gigas again, I, I I think that that'll be a species I make an exception for because I mean, dude, just look at that baby. I mean, let me try and zoom in a little bit. Yeah, if I can. yeah. That baby, the I mean, these pictures are old and crappy, but dude, the contrast in that baby is just incredible, mm -hmm. incredible. So, if we if I hadn't been flying back from texas like some of those the centroides vitatus that especially sure. that female that i had shared a shower with yeah. when we were in like alpine like i was just watching her the entire time like i should throw you in a cup and take you home <laughs> of course of course and then of course like i went to bed and i'm like great there's probably vitatus all because if there's one vitatus surely there's, there's more five I'm, yeah i'm probably gonna roll over on the one of them at night and i mean they're not like oh you know crazy toxic or anything like that but It'd be like rolling over on a freaking hornet. I don't think I'd I'd want to do that either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Swamardami, there she is. So that was my one and only Swamardami. And uh back then they were 250 bucks. And I saved my shekels so that I could buy a Swamardami. And uh she lived for about two years and then she rolled on me. So I don't know how old she was when I got her. Uh, it was an import from Europe because obviously <clears throat> India is closed and mm -hmm. uh, she was big man, but she was, she wasn't anything bigger than a normal emperor. So it wasn't like I had either a red claw or an emperor and I don't know why I struggled with that one, man. I think it was just humidity, really? I couldn't keep humidity where it needed to be. And it was too much ventilation. I was keeping it like an idiot. I should have had a better, uh, better setup. Yeah. Well, for those who are curious as to why this is so special, this is the world's largest species of scorpion. So this one holds the record. I think there is one in a, there's a specimen, I think, at Oxford that's like 12.6 inches, something Great. like that. Yeah. So, and alternans, everyone's seen the alternans. And suspiness. Yeah, I don't even know what species I had. I got it in like some group that someone like someone was selling their their whole collection on Craigslist on Hilton Head Island or something like that, and that was just part of the deal. And I was like, I don't like this thing, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, right. Have fun with it for a little bit. Give it to a friend, whatever. So never got into those bastards either. So I remember when I wanted to do these. And the Egyptian stuff is really all that came in. I had messaged Todd Gearhart and I'd asked Todd and I was like, hey, man, I really want to get into sulfugias. You know, is there any tips that you could give me that would, you know, camel spiders for anybody that doesn't know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, his words on the phone were verbatim. If you can keep it alive longer than six months, you're an expert and should be documenting everything. And I couldn't do it. Right around five, five and a half months, they all rolled. So, 
I just the way they move their chelicerae constantly, just that's what kind of creeps in their uh, past. Like the did we grinding. see some in Texas? Yeah, like, we did. We did. Yeah, they're just they're cool, but that's another one that I'm like, I'm good. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll I'll appreciate them, but I ain't giving them. Yep. They do seem like something though that I can see would be kind of a pain in the ass to keep. Just I, I'm I'm sure they need pretty large setups. I'd imagine given yeah. how mobile they are and. Oh yeah. Is that Tidius? No, that's a Florida. That's a Florida bark that really? I found in Delray. Yep. Oh. Yep. It's just a good-looking specimen, man. Yeah, I, was just, I don't recall mine ever being that dark. Yeah, and the contrast in the the yellow of the legs and the red of the mm-hmm. pincers. Yeah, it was just a good-looking animal, so I figured, why not? I kept that one. There's one of the Smithy mm-hmm. that did not do well. Those things are still expensive. I know, right? I think there I think was one at the at the show me show that we were at when we were up visiting Black Box, and it was like three hundred bucks. Oh, I believe it, man. It wasn't I even an adult. It. Yeah, I think it has to do with the fact that no one even attempts to smuggle them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. there's it's pretty obvious where they came from. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and uh, here's kidding, a. By the way, yeah. I feel like you know, this is going to be harder for some people to keep up with because inverts aren't. Sure, Everyone's sure. So well, I also this is a this this show definitely needs to be watched. So like if if you're curious about inverts, if you're curious about bugs and arachnids and some of the stuff that Justin and I kept in the past, definitely watch this, you know, even if you fast forward when you go home, if you're listening to it in the car, it's definitely worth looking at, you know what I mean, so you could see what we're talking about on screen. So uh this particular scorpion, uh eye color or is that a That is that's Mortanicus. Oh, okay. And this was a rare small batch shipment that came in from Morocco. And uh, dude, that thing, like it took everything in my power to not hold that animal because it acted like an emperor scorpion. It had no fucks to give. It just didn't care. Uh, And it was big. It was it was basically the size of a juvenile emperor. Mm -hmm. And you just look at that tail and the granulations on the Telson and you're like, this thing is going to put me on my back. So, yeah. So for people that don't know, we are looking at an Androctonus, which is a genus of scorpions, which is one of really only a few that very easily and have in the past kill people. Yeah. Yeah. So they are very hot. Yep. An envenomation from an animal this size would easily, uh, kill a child say under the age of 12 um it would give you the worst pain you could ever imagine as an adult um there's no real tissue damage per se oftentimes it's mostly uh neuro and it just turns you off it just shuts you down so and you think about how because i mean Androctonus, for the most part, like they are, they're not huge, but they are large ish yeah. scorpions yeah. as adults. So it's like you think about that's still a small yield. So think about just how sure. incredibly toxic those things are for such a small amount that they're packing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the one thing that people don't realize is that uh, the scorpion venom that is that is injected in when it, there is an envenomation, the venom itself is. Oh, um, no. You there? Stop. Hold on. It froze again. Can you hear me? Hello, hello. Are we back? 
I can't tell if I'm frozen or he's frozen. I think he's frozen. It's going to make for some captivating audio. Dum, dum, dum. Let me consult the mobile device. Miguel says he hears me. All right. So that means that Smitty is frozen. Oh, and Smitty's out. So here we go. Well, hopefully he'll jump back in in a second. Um, nope. There he is. You can do it, Smitty. You can do it. I'm back. You're back. This completely so, kicked me out. Like it did this last night, too, when I was doing the Lizard Brain show. I don't know what the was. Well, everyone was telling me that I sounded okay. So what was the last thing you heard? You were talking about something about Venom. I don't. Oh, so the the telson, which is the gland that actually produces the venom before it's injected. Um, feels good. Aliens got Smitty. <laughs> nice. So Showed it's in. um it's a it's a biochemical thing. Um, <clears throat> forgive me for not using the right nomenclature. So there's two venom properties in the stinger of the scorpion. And the scorpion has the ability to use one, the other, or both. And in a defensive and as well as a you know predatory way, it's going to use both. But for uh, uh, the acts of courtship and mating, it uses one or the other. Um, so you don't know what part was injected into you upon being envenomated. So you have to assume that it was you know both binary pieces and that you got a legit envenomation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everyone reacts differently. You know, there, this Mortanicus here, there's people that have been stung and, you know, it feels like a wasp sting and that's the end of it. And there's other people that have died. So, you know, you oh, have to be also yes. fun fact, a scorpion's butthole is right at the base of that stinger. There's a yes, little opening is. and that's, that's something, you know, now. Yes. That's why if you keep scorpions in deli cups, you will see white goo or like white crust around mm-hmm. the rim of the deli cup. That's because the scorpion is throwing its tail in the air or the extension of its of its intestines, its, its lower body, and extending it and squirting its fecal juices up Can on the rim of the point it out on that picture there. Yeah, right here. Right there. Right. So there. next time you're at a cocktail party. You can a bust out. Hey, snakes have two penises, and then hey, scorpions buttholes right at the <laughs> right the base of the stinger. Yeah, and most people think that a scorpion's tail is a tail. It's not. It's a hundred percent an extension of their body, and uh, it's actually the main portion of their intestines. So, all right, and now we got Parabuthus mozipicensis. So. This is one of the southeastern species of scorpion that is uh, potentially harmful to humans. This is also one of the species that has been known to spray its venom, one of the spitting scorpions. Um, I attempted to get it to do that, and I never could. I so. never had that happen with my transvolicus either. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, I would. And I kept a handful of those, and I never, yeah. never had it happen. Yep. We just weren't lucky, Smitty. That was like one of the first truly toxic species I kept. Transvolicus. Now, this is a difficult one. Smitty, can you tell what species this is? Mm. And for those of you who are listening, this is a photo of a scorpion under a black light. 
scorpions have some sort of androgynous. It is. It is androgynous. Bicolor? Nope. Crassicata? No, man. Australis. Australis. Okay. So this is Androgynous Australis, arguably the most toxic scorpion on the planet. Those are the ones that have technically killed the most people in any other species. Right. If I'm not mistaken. I would concur. So uh, scorpions have a bioluminescent uh, gas in between their exoskeleton and the, the their, their actual guts. It's beta-carboline. Is that what it is? I believe that's what it is called. Excellent. So they glow under a black light, which makes finding them in the wild incredibly yeah. easy when you yeah. have a black light. Um, That's why when we were going to Texas, I was like, whatever light I choose, it's got to have a black light because I'll be damned if we're not going to go to Texas and not have a black light on hand. Right. And right. It, you, you could see those things from freaking 20 feet away with the, the damn black light on, man. Oh, yeah. Like they stick out like a sore thumb. Even if you can't see the black light on like the on the, you know, backdrop of whatever it is you're pointing it at. It still gets picked up by the by the body of those those scorpions. Oh yeah, so a lot of people will get a pet emperor scorpion or a desert hairy scorpion as a pet, and the pet shop will say, "Look, they glow under a black light," and they'll keep a black light on it. What people don't realize is is that that gas that's in there under the exoskeleton, um, it's burning off as the UV rays are hitting it. So scorpions only molt and shed their skin anywhere from 8 to 12, maybe 15 times in their entire life. As they get older, they molt less and less and less. And then finally, when they get to adulthood, they stop molting completely. Um, so if you burn out that gas from too much blacklight exposure, it'll never glow again. And there was a, a, a trend a few years ago where every time someone bought an emperor scorpion, they got sold a blacklight to go with it. And they thought it was almost like UVB with reptiles. It needs it. So they would just keep that blacklight mm -hmm. on for weeks on end. And they stopped glowing. And as far as we know, it doesn't affect the the scorpion at all in terms of its healthiness. Right. But it, it won't glow anymore. So, Yeah, and if I recall, they don't glow if you do it like right after they've molted to where they're well, still like soft and stuff. So they do, but it's pink instead of green. Okay. Yeah, I, actually, I think I have a picture of one in here too. So this is a unique emperor. This is Pendinus viatoris. Um, these are what they call the blood emperors. Uh, mm -hmm. This is not a standard red claw. This one, the entire body's red. So. Is it a Vitatus? This one here? That's what it looks like. No, this is a Lycus Asper. So this oh. is another uh, uh, southeastern African species that has uh, the very cryptic patterning to it. Uh, almost every single scalation or segment is a different hue of brown or red. So these are m mildly venomous. Um, I wouldn't want to get stung. But if this such is, a thing uh, existed. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And uh, another fossorial species that is seldomly seen. So it gets a photo. Like Lycassus asper. Tailless whip scorpion. Super cool. Hodentota trilineatus. So this is the three-stripe, uh, uh, what do you even call it? Three-stripe Hodentota. 
Yeah, I don't. That's like I said. If there's a common name for a lot of this stuff, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, this is basically a, an ugly brown scorpion with three bl- black stripes going down its back. Unfortunately, you can't see the stripes because she's got a bunch of babies all over her back, covered in a brood, covered in a in the spawn. So uh, this one came in gravid from an import, and she dropped after I got her. So, and that is mom after all the babies are gone. So. Little tanks. Little tanks, man. More Babicurus. Yep. So those are the Jacksoni or Jacksoni. That's a pair. That was actually uh, right before they were, I think right before they were recording. You can mm-hmm. see the male trying to rile her up. There's a spinifer, so your your Asian forests. These are another really good pet scorpion. Uh, they're very hardy, just like emperors. Uh, they get as big, if not slightly bigger, than emperor scorpions. The difference is they are pissants. So yeah, I was going to constantly... say they're much more high strung than the. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. This is more of a, a rainforest tropical species, higher humidity. And there's your Cavamanus, which is your Red Claw Emperor. Mm-hmm. So basically your normal Emperor, but with Red Claws, a Red Face, and way more aggro. Desert Harry. Gracilis. Normal looking Gracilis. I was going to say, that looks... What? Maybe it's because I'm so far away. I don't know. The tail just looks awfully thick to be for centroids. Uh, I mean, it's it's fat it and be curled up. Yeah, it's all very overfed. <laughs> There's Posseidens, the uh, olive killback. It's another flat rock species. Parabuthus liasoma. So this is the black-tipped scorpion. Uh, again, another spitting species. Never got it to spit. But these are super cool. These are another uh, very unique southeastern African species. That's the same exact Australis of the one with the black light. Same same exact specimen. So, hmm. yep. It's a blurry cell phone picture of that. The business end. The business end. The goods. There's your Transvolicus. See, what I always found interesting with those is like sort of like how the Androctonus have those just big, fat, you know, fat-tailed scorpions have a fat tail. Uh, yeah. Those is just, it was more odd because they were almost like grooved and they were much more cylindrical. Yes. Yeah, definitely like more cylindrical. Odd, like more tubular than they are blocky like you get on the Androctonus. And I mean, they're coming from very large gaps between the, the two, but yeah i don't know i just thought it was always interesting because it's they're just built different oh yeah another awesome species obviously this comes from the transvaal in south africa there's your dad we're talking yeah yeah look at it ready to go ready to rock and roll man and dude the 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 ferocity of this bug is just so intense it's just, it's all defense. It just wants to be left alone, and it will make itself known to leave Those it alone. Those two have killed people. Those two have killed people. That's why it's called the Death Stalker. 
Yeah, I don't think they just give that name for just because it has a mask and looks cool. Yeah, right. And there is Androkton's bicolor. Obviously, this is a third or fourth in star. Very small. Yep, little guy. So I actually have a story about this bug. Um, my one and only potentially dangerous envenomation was with this little bugger right here. So I got this guy in a tiny little film canister. And I was actually at Underground when I received it, the retail store. And I'm, I'm an idiot. Let's just call it, call it that. I'm an idiot. I opened the container and I was looking at it and I thought he was dead. And I took my middle finger on my right hand and I just touched him with my fingernail and he swung that tail backwards mm -hmm. and stung me inverted in the cuticle of my middle finger. Ooh. And it immediately felt like someone put their cigarette out on my finger. And, uh, you know, you, you, you get that, that, that hit of adrenaline like that, ooh, you know, mm -hmm. and I was like, this is going to suck. And I was like, all right, it's a baby. I'm not going to die. I probably won't need antivenin, but I probably should sit and see what happens. And I told my friend that was with me at the time, told the manager underground. I was like, hey, man, I, this thing just hit me. And uh, the minute I told these people this, my whole hand went numb, like, oh, just numb. And I was like, uh oh, and I sat in a chair and monitored my breathing a little bit and everything seemed fine. But my hand was numb. And even that that burning, that cigarette burn sensation, mm -hmm. that was gone. And I slowly start to feel feel some some heat in that finger. But yeah. my but my hand was numb, like totally just like past the pins and needles numb. And uh sure as hell, 45 minutes later, it all went away. That was mm -hmm. it. So I, I do had not a little I had an Australis about that size somehow end up out of the cup and on my leg. Really? More to but the story? No, I mean, I just, it, it just fell on my leg and it just stopped and like just laid flat. And oh, all right. I'll just put it back in the cup and went on about my day. <laughs> yeah, man. Be the ground, so to speak. Be the ground. Yep, pretty much. It's like so. that happens, especially with scorpions. It's like, I'm just going to stop moving. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't. Yeah, just stand still. So, yeah, needless to say, I've never done anything like that ever again, nor will I ever consider it. And uh, I do not condone anyone sitting and waiting to see what happens definitely seek immediate medical attention um but yeah just they're gonna be able to do much for you anyway <laughs> well i mean there is antivenin for androctonus that could be received in a timely manner do um, we have it stateside? sure absolutely sure. i know yeah. i know venom one has it i i think oh, philly okay. zoo also has some um and i'm sure there's someone out west that might have it but mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of it because yeah. I'm pretty sure I mean, you it's think about how many for... scorpions you got to freaking milk just to make it worthwhile. Like yeah, that. exactly. Exactly. So, and uh, let's keep going, show and tell. There we go. So, this <laughs> is one of my favorite species. This is Scorpio Marus Pomatus. This is what we call the boxing scorpion or, you know, desert dune scorpion, whatever. Mike Tyson. This is literally Mike Tyson. These scorpions, they're completely harmless. They're about the same potency as like a normal bee sting, but they are so aggressive and defensive. And they call them boxing scorpions because their claws are gigantic and it looks like they have boxing gloves on. And Hulk hands. It, literally Hulk hands. And 
they will hold their tail straight up in the air, but before they sting in a downward motion, they will literally box with both hands. <laughs> and it, it, dude, they're like the cutest thing you've ever seen. And all of them fit on the size of like a half dollar. Mm-hmm. So super fun they, species. They, hey, man, they're large and in charge. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely have Napoleon syndrome. So there's another Jacksoni with babies. Ah, Longimanus. So this is another species of Asian forest scorpion. It's in the Heterometris genus. Uh, this one gets its name because everything is long. The claws are long. The tail is long. The legs are long. And they're much more rich, rich, almost velvety black. But you still see that that, that Telson is that bright, rust color that that reddish brown color so another fun asian species that's that's a pretty good pet if you come across it there's that chilean one again polymorpha i'm actually surprised we didn't see one of these when we were in west texas i'm okay with that yeah because i'm pretty sure this is the biggest species endemic to texas and they get they get about six seven inches on average, mm-hmm. so but they're they're a cool species, man. Phil flexing. <laughs> what? I don't know. Billy's just talking shit in the, in the chat. Billy Billy Jenkins on that bourbon. <laughs> What's that? So that is Titius Asathenus. Oh, Asathenus. And uh, the, these pictures are all horrible cell phone pictures, but if you zoom in. You could see the blue eyes. Well, kinda. Yeah. Yeah. So super cool species. I mean, I've really never been big on South American stuff, but that one came across my path, and I figured, why not? We'll try it. Uh, so this one uh, is a Chinese scorpion that I never got a chance to identify. It came in on a shipment from Hong Kong. And uh, it was not like in the box, like loose or anything. It was actually in like a film canister. But they had got some 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 bugs, and literally on the uh, on the paperwork from from China, it literally just said scorpion in English. So that's cool. <laughs> it's better than a question mark, I guess. Yeah, exactly right. So, and uh, here's that Cuban devil that had just molted. You can still see how the skin or the exoskeleton, yeah, like soft shell crab, soft shell crab. That's it. Thought that was a cool picture. And there is the Scolopendra Hardwickai, Hardwicky. And uh, I wasn't kidding, man. Black and orange, Halloween, massive. So that that orange lid, that's the wide mouth Gatorade. They're cap. just coral snakes with legs. Literally, yeah. So that, that orange cap is one of those wide mouth Gatorade bottles. So I don't know if that's an inch and a half, two inches. I don't remember. <laughs> so better be cucumber lime. I don't think it was. I don't think they had cucumber lime back in you know 2006. <laughs> I hate how much I love that flavor of Gatorade. You're just I a bougie bitch. Can't deny it. Here's one that we never talked about: Opisthothalmus boemi or boemi, the burrowing scorpions. You ever have them? Uh, no, I had some other, so there's like, that's, uh, you had a burrowing scorpion of some kind. I don't know. It was, so there's, 
this kind of group of scorpions I never got into. Like the ones that are like those boxing scorpions are just like the yeah like, little tails, big pincers, just kind of <laughs> like derpy sort of. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, um, yeah. I they never they never did much for me, yeah, but no, I did have your, I don't know scorpions skipped leg day. I don't even remember. I need I have a picture of it somewhere. I don't even remember what the hell it was. It was some sort of, I think Egyptian or something. It was I don't know. Let's see if I could find it. Yeah, dig it up. So I like the Epistothalamus genus. Uh, they're South African. Um, they're bur- they get the name burrowing scorpion because they make these crazy tunnels underground. Unfortunately, most people, myself included, you don't get to appreciate those tunnels because we keep them in deli cups. You know. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I actually, if I ever come across these again, uh, I may do one in like uh, one of those tall glass uh, rectangular glass tanks i guess you call it mm-hmm. you know where they have it's like it's like a 10 gallon but it's a really tall cylinder i may do something like that and just pack a bunch of sandy soil in there and just let them do like the ant farm thing you know so here's another epistothalamus this is walbergi or walbergi i'm pretty sure this is the largest of the burrowing scorpions and this one also has these super flat claws and you'll notice how the pincer is real, real thin and flat. And that's because they actually use the pincers as a shovel. And they literally excavate sand and soil and dig out their burrows. So I love how they have a, that's such a long front part of their body. You know, the chelicerae are so super long and stretched out. Kind of look like a walrus. Walrus Walrus whiskers. So this is Scolopendra multidens. They call it Chinese beauty. I didn't think it was that beautiful. I went up getting rid of it. <laughs> I didn't get the hype. I didn't think it was all that. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get the. I didn't get the memo. And this one is. Uh, this is one of my favorite scorp or uh, centipedes. Excuse me. This is Scolopendra suspines suspines. This is the Chinese tiger leg. And I'm sure the scientific names have changed. People can crucify me online, whatever. But this animal, this picture gives it no justice. The body of the animal was jet black. And then each leg was neon yellow with black tiger stripes. Just a super, super cool bug. Good Lord, I'm having to dig deep. And that's the end of the pictures. I don't remember what species of centipede that is. I think it might just be a Chinese red leg. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's an orange leg. Orange leg? Yeah. So that concludes Phil's bug show and tell. Having trouble finding that picture? No, I found it. Now I'm just trying to figure out how to save it. I'm just going to screenshot it. Henry says, I feel someone may be getting back into bugs. Well, n- not for me, man. Not oh, for me. It's pretty easy to not do when you have a wife that isn't into that stuff at all. Like, she draws exactly. a line. Exactly. Look, man, I, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, things that my girl lets me get away with, and I won't push the envelope too hard, you know? 
are you throwing that up on Facebook or am I? No, I sent it to you. I have another one right here. So this right. is circa. This is ten years ago. So are you putting it up or am I putting it up? I sent it to you on Messenger. Okay, so I'll put it up. Is this a video or a picture? No, it's a picture. Oh, okay. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what species it is. I just know that it's not anything stupid hot or crazy toxic or anything like that. So, Well, now I'm curious. All right, so there we go. All right, let's see if we can zoom in on this bad boy. That might be Wahlberg's. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, know. that that might be one of those Wahlbergy. I mean, it. I don't. It I don't even the, remember how I got it. Doesn't have the body coloration, but it has the face and the claws. <clears throat> Wrong direction. And then, I yeah, better man, I, I think that's Wahlberg's. What is this you sent me? That is the first condo I ever got. That oh, ended that's in gotta disaster. Go that's that's gotta go up. Everyone would get a good laugh at that because oh was yeah, the first Condro setup that was also ten years ago. And <laughs> Dude, to be look honest, at how it's not that know, bad, man. It's it's pretty bad. What's that bad snake, about that? That snake lasted a month. But 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 tell me, tell explain to me the non Condro guy why that setup is bad. Oh well, first of all, I was under the impression that they were kept like tropical ish. Right. And they are not. Uh, so this, I kept this one too wet. That tank wasn't very big. That heat lamp was just not ideal. Uh, open screen top. So ventilation, you know, all the, any humidity that wasn't there disappeared fairly quickly. So I had shed issues with it. Um, it just, I, I look at it now and just kind of giggle because it's like, it was, it was bad. Hey man, we all learn sometime. You know? And that was the, that was the snake that I was like, yep. Um, never doing these again. And Aww. so I just thought people would find that funny because. Yeah, man. Hey dude, it's all learning experience, man. Here I am now. And I'm like, these are the easiest things to keep. How did I kill it? Well, if it makes and you feel I, better, yeah, that's the exact setup I had for my first carpet, and now that thing is seven. It's a Diamond Jungle Hybrid F1, and that thing is like seven and a half foot and psychotic. Nice. Gracilis babies everywhere. Mike Cuppin says it looks like his first setup too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> That was, let's see. So that was 10 years ago. So I would have been 21. Nice. Good. No. There's no, there's no way. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, I guess it was because there's other posts of me with some beer that I actually would drink because I wasn't a big <laughs> beer guy and I'm not a big beer guy, but. Huh. Well, all right. All right. Well, we are at the witching hour, my friend. We sure are. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I, I I like how this episode turned out. This is not this is not exactly Uh-oh. what I was. It froze expecting. again. No, you're frozen. I hit a button I'm, and I tried I'm to get frozen. it to you're do frozen. something I wanted it to do. Hold on a second. Oh my god! Everyone, pretend like you can't hear him. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> you were never not good, bro. You were good the whole time. <laughs> it was a combination. So Randy said the setup was not that bad. Maybe the animal was problematic, and I got that animal from underground. And so. I'm sure it is a combination of the two, but that thing ate fine. I just, I don't, I just got it. And I was like, I'm going to keep it like this and it'll work out great. And this was before I, I got, you know, Maxwell's book. And this is long before Julander and Phillips book came out. And uh, yeah, just a dumbass kid with a job and very little bills. So <sighs> it happens, man. It's what we do. It's how we learn. I tried to make it fancy and naturalistic. <laughs> how how far we've come? Because we all yeah. thought that was naturalistic. You know what I mean? I don't. Yeah, this was before like isopods really even were a thing. But this show was brought to you by blackboxcages.com check them out facebook instagram check out the website uh if you have any questions feel free to message me or message blackbox message the page someone will answer you um if you have any questions though you can message me if you want and i'll answer them to the best of my abilities and then puget town pythons so the awesome folks on the uh adjacent corner of the country that are doing awesome stuff also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you're at any of the shows up that way, they just vended. They got a really awesome setup, like decked out to the nines, yeah. the banners and everything Dude, they else. Had, they had the whole end cap Dang. of the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. It was awesome. We need to, uh, we need to get them both on again soon. Yeah. Like we yeah. need to do a check-in. Yeah, maybe, maybe now. the good luck will, will strike twice and they'll have another litter of like Dumerals or something else. Oh, sure. I, dude, I forgot about it. that. I forgot. Dude, they're the only ones that have ever had, you know, anything like that happen on our show, right? Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah. I think, well, wait, didn't Billy Hunt get eggs one time when he was live? Maybe. I think so. But yeah, we definitely got to get them back on, man. And now, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but they now have every species available of lasses, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, man. Yeah. Running the gauntlet. Putting in the work. Putting in the work. Gendra. Blood, sweat, tears, urates. In that order. In that order. Yeah. So we'll be back for THP 159 Thursday. We're going to have TJ Chambers uh, from over in the Arizona region. Uh, coming on, talk about Morelia and Scrubs and some of the other stuff he's got. So that'll be a good one. Um, 
he's been on the sort of the list, the hit list for me for a while. Just, just kind of take things as they as they go, and it was uh, it's going to be a good good one, I think. So awesome, awesome. And uh, I'm going to do everything in my power to get the next episode of Venom Exchange Radio out this Sunday. Um, I don't remember who's up next in the lineup. I want to say it is Kyle from Biochem Africa. So, oh, cool. yeah, cool. we'll we'll have to throw that up you on guys Sunday. Need to do an Androctonus episode. Yeah, but it's it's on the to do list, man. It's on is the it? to do list. Good, sure. Yeah, we've we I got I, the problem is our guest list that we've basically mapped out is all international people. Yep. So between you know Nipper's work schedule being crazy, the time differences, and then you know like I've got I've got some some guys in the Middle East that are going to get into it, and it's it's difficult because they don't necessarily have the same venue we do in terms of what they're allowed to do on the internet. Right, right. Um, as well as certain uh, situations. For example, I have, I have one guy that it has to be the right day because he may not have power, like electricity. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. So we got to try and get all that together. And uh, we got some some big names and some some unknown names coming. So it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited to to hear more, man. And yeah, you know, anytime you need me to fill in it for whatever reason, just let me know. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, I need to hit up Nipper too. I haven't talked to him in a while. It's been a minute. Yeah, man, just message him. He's he's always around in spirit. Yes. So, well, thank you, everyone. We will see y'all later.